Hey everybody, what's up? Just real quick, the day that we recorded this show, I was in a small motorcycle accident. Everything's cool, everything's fine. Believe me, in about a minute and a half, I go into a ridiculously long story explaining it. Which brings me to my next point. I was on some pretty loopy pain meds, so cut me a wee bit of slack for this show, please. Um, we were also having weird internet issues. Gaz's internet connection kept screwing up, and it was messing up the recording of the show. Having said all of that, let's jump into the episode. Again, please, please, please forgive me for my babbling here at the beginning. I'm very sorry. Hello? Hello? It's all around us. didn't turn on for some reason but it's on now okay anyways welcome back gary this week we're going to be interviewing um jason off and he's has a new book out how are you doing sir how how are things with you you're having a handle a chandelier i can't talk i'm already (laughs) i'm already getting off to a fantastically good start this is going to be a great episode Uh, i'm having a chandelier hung as we speak i just five minutes ago posted the last episode that i did which was a really long show I got into a small motorcycle uh, accident yesterday, which I was telling you about before we start recording. But yeah. we're going to have Jason off and on tonight. He has a new book out called So You Had to Build a Time Machine. But every time Jason has a book come out, he's a good friend of the show. So I have him come on and he's going to dig through his Offit files tonight, which are all these uh, files fantastic. of things that he's never covered in books, just weird stuff to talk about. Plus to talk about. Yeah, it's weird what he's covered. So I can't imagine what he hasn't covered. That should be great. Yeah, it's, they're always fun when he digs in them. So the motorcycle thing. I'm getting yeah, on to why the you fall down. Yeah, I, I had my motorcycle left out from underneath me yesterday. It decided it didn't want me on it anymore, and I'm okay. I have a scrape on my arm and uh, some minor abrasions on my knee and, like, one on my thumb and one on my hand. But you long story lucky. short, well, it's not going to be a short story. I'll tell it as, as quickly as I can. I'm going right. to get onto the freeway. I am yeah. going onto the freeway. I'm doing about 35 miles an hour, not doing anything crazy. I'm riding my Kawasaki 1500 Nomad. And I make the right turn, and then all of a sudden, like, the bike just slides out from underneath me, and I'm on the ground, and I look up, and my bike is sliding away, and I'm like, what the hell? What's what, what's going on here? I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't dra- popping a wheelie. I wasn't doing anything crazy. It's just sliding away. So here's me sliding, picture me sliding on the ground. I'm on my right knee. I'm more or less sitting on my right leg. You're sitting on your knees. So right. I'm sitting on my right knee, sliding forward. My right leg is out in front of me, extended out. And I'm just sliding away, like baseball sliding, like into second base or something. And then I start to fall back, and I put my arm down real quick and push myself up. So now I'm sitting up, sliding across the ground. And there's this rut in the road and where the concrete meets or something. My right foot hits that, and then I just nudge up, and I had so much inertia behind me that I just stood up, and I just started walking over to my bike. And I, I'm That's still- That's some I'm action even, movie shit. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about doing that. It just kind of happened, you know? So I stand up, I walk over, I look at my bike. Why is- why, why, How did this happen? Why is my bike on the ground? <laughs> why, why did I just do that? What's going on? 
a guy coming from the opposite direction because there's there was an off ramp and an on. That's where the the other the other danger is. You're like, oh, yeah. I survived that, and then you're hit by a truck. So you know? I, I look up, and the guy pulls over in his pickup truck, and he's walking out, looking at me, and then there's this oh woman God. behind me in her Who car going hysterical. She's flipping out. Sir, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> she's flipping out, and all the time no. I'm thinking, I have to move my motorcycle. I'm going to get hit by cars. Oh, I have God, to move yes. this bike. So I just walk over, lift up my bike, which is really, really heavy. Normally, if I had to do it, I couldn't be able to do it. But for whatever reason, I guess the adrenaline was flowing through me. Sure. And I'm still trying to process what happened. So I pick up the bike. I hop over on it, not paying attention to anybody around me, just like must get bike off of road. And the woman behind me is still screaming. So I park the bike, put the kickstand down, look at it. And I'm like, all right, this doesn't look too bad. And the woman behind me is just freaking, sir, sir, are you okay? Oh, my God, are you okay? I'm, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay, ma'am. I'm looking at my arms and legs. I'm like, hey, no, shut up. not broken. I don't see any blood blasting through. I feel okay. You know, I'm like, I'm all right. So she's, like, freaking out. And I look up, and the guy that stopped at the pickup truck in the on lane walks up and looks at me. Are you okay, dude? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how did you do that? What, wipe my bike out? He goes, no, dude, you just, you just slid across the ground and, like, stood up there. And I'm like... I don't know. Just another day, kid. Sliding across the <laughs> ground. You know, I'm still processing. It still hasn't. None of this is really set in other than the fact that I have just dumped my bike on the road for the first time. So I'm Ooh. a little bit embarrassed, but the woman behind me still screaming and me and the guy both look over at her. Ma'am, I'm fine. Do you need to call anybody, sir? And I'm like, I got my cell phone in my hand. I'm good. I'm okay. You know, thanks for your concern. I really appreciate it. But she's acting like she hit me. She was nowhere near me. And she's just like going like she's going off. She's just like on full tilt panic freaking out mode there's no blood on me my pant my blue jeans my pant leg is solid black but after that i'm like okay no go ahead go please go you're 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 going to give me a stroke go away you know but thank you thank you very much i appreciate your kindness and thank you for looking out for me okay and as she's pulling away she's still yelling out her window are you sure you're what okay God, holy name are you blathering you know? <laughs> so i look back at the guy and he's like dude are you like a superhero or something and i'm like what? He goes, you just slid across the ground and then stood up and walked to your bike like 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 you meant to do that or something. No, I was just I was just sliding or whatever. He's like, you shouldn't even have any flesh on your leg right now. You shouldn't you shouldn't be walking around. You you could have died, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, absolutely. I I don't know. You know, I'm like, I wonder if my and I'm, I think I was just processing. I wasn't in shock, sure. but so I wonder if my bike my starts. God, so I go to start the bike. It's not starting. And the guy's just looking at me like I'm crazy. Dude, really, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, you know? I'm like, I don't have any broken bones or anything like that. How? I don't know. I just, I, I, I do this all the time. It's something that's passed on in my family. Every few generations, yeah. we just like to slide across the road on motorcycles. It's something we do. As one does. Yeah, sure. it's, it's what we do. It's, it's, in my, it's in my family lineage. Well, I appreciate you not dying. So then I got home, I'm sitting around, and then the aches and pains start to set in. Like my whole shoulder, my back front shoulder, all the way down into my chest, like where I used to have my hernia. That all hurts. Right. And the only thing I can figure is because, like, I didn't hit the ground real hard, but I think what it was is I just went over and, like, did a Hulk smash lift up my motorcycle kind of thing without even thinking about it and probably twisted all my muscles in the process. I'm sure. So, yeah, that was my, uh, that was me. Well, cosplaying Ghost Rider for a little bit there, and uh, that's what happened. So now, right now, I am sore as hell. I am sore as a motherfucker. I've got a lot of Motrin in me, and you know, I got some painkillers in me. Uh, I got a CBD gummy in me. Yeah, and um, I'm a little loopy right now, which is why we're starting the show recording a little bit early. I didn't but, notice, um, and that can get you really high. Yeah, I'm 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 <laughs> babbling a lot right now. So everybody who's listening, okay. I apologize, and I'm going to try not to babble a lot in the show. 
But just keep in mind that I'm under a lot, I'm in a lot of pain right now. Oh my like, goodness! I can't laugh really hard because it hurts. So, anyways, oh, that's an invitation. <laughs> so, no, don't, please don't, because it'll hurt. It's it's going to hurt bad if I laugh. I, I can oh chuckle, which is good because I don't like the way that I laugh anyway. Just no guffaw, a yeah. chuckle. Yeah, a guffaw. no guffaw, a chuckle. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. Any other anyways. news? It is tomorrow is exactly a year from when I sent out my uh, inaugural episode. Of your first show for Bizarro Aficionado? Yeah, wow, it's show been a year now. Wow. Wow. I'm fancy. It's been a whole year of releasing you're, you're when I really feel well. like it. When you really well. When you launched that show, you hit the ground running. You did really well. So anyways, let's let's uh, let's get Jason on the phone here and get this Jason! So back this week with us is old buddy and pal of the show, Jason Offit, who every time he comes out with a new book of any kind whatsoever, I use as an excuse to pester him relentlessly to come on to our show. Jason, it's been over a year because you were on here June of 2019. So now this book is out, which is so you had to build a time machine. And uh, I said, hey, let's do this. And you said, OK, let's do this. So here we are doing this. So and I guess my, my Gary here is well, I out. I need to I need to interrupt and ask you a question. Did you ever get around to reading it? Some of it. Oh, I've, I've, I've full disclosure. I have not read all of it yet. I have been extremely busy lately, more so more so than I thought I would be during a pandemic when you can't go anywhere or really do anything. No, I, I have was read thinking some that was a great endorsement, you know. Yeah, I know. I've read your book, you know, part of it up till the point that I got bored. Oh, really, no. this is the only book of yours that I have that you've given me that I haven't read yet. Um, every one of your books that you give me, I devour. And I will say this from what I have read. You're definitely coming along because you don't like you wrote the last one, which uh, well, you, you wrote the one, How to Kill Monsters with Common Household. What was it? How, uh, Great common household, um, yeah, how to, kill, how to Kill Monsters with Common Household Items. That book is fantastic. And then the last book you gave me, which is, uh, I believe it was American Monsters or something like that. Yeah, Chasing, that one Chasing I Monsters, yeah. Yep, which was great because that was the first time you've come back to Paranormal in a long time. You, you, you still go on shows and you still talk about Paranormal, but you really don't poke your toe into it too much and dip into it anymore. Um, then this book, we've had you on here to talk about time travel. You've gone back to time travel again, which is fun because we had you on here to talk about Madman Mark and years ago and things like that. So why do you keep going back to time travel? Uh, well, it's I've been fascinated by time travel ever since I was, uh, you know, a kid and first, you know, for, first, t you know, jumped into into science fiction. I almost said dip my toes, but no, I never did that. I just head first splash in, into science fiction. Um, one of the very first books I, I read uh, was uh, The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. So, I mean, ever since you know, I, could, I could read and started reading that, I, 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 read, I read time travel stories. I, um, th those were some of my favorite, uh, favorite episodes of you know, Star Trek, the original series, is, is when they you know, went back in time. So, you know, it's, it's just, just something fun. And I've always wanted to, to write uh, a time travel story. Uh, I, I did write a, a pretty fun time travel sh travel short story a few years ago, but I wanted to, to tackle a novel with it. Let's say you could go back in time. What do you change in history? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. What uh, what would I change? Uh, 
You know, probably I, I would uh, would go back to Clear Lake, Iowa, in 1958, and uh, and and convince uh, uh, Richie Valens, the the big bopper, and um, oh yeah, um, yeah, convince him not to get on the plane. That's interesting. Everybody always says go back and kill baby Hitler. You know what? The, you know what the problem <laughs> with that is? Is you know, is studying World War Two, Hitler was. It wasn't the smartest. He wasn't the smartest Nazi by by far. No, he, he was. He was the 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 most headache. He was the one that got people to follow him. But you know, like Hermann Goering, you know, he he was a lot smarter and and just as evil, if not more so. There were smarter, as evil or more evil uh, people behind Hitler. You know, so if For sure. you know, we went back and killed Hitler. Um, there'd be more people there to take his place that, that could do more damage. So I, I, I don't think I'd do that. Um, and, and besides, there's a lot of, a lot of discussion. And, and one of the things that I, that I did with my book is uh, a friend of mine is, is a physicist, um, uh, a literal you know, scientist, a physics professor. And um, he read my book uh, and, you know, just to let me know, uh, one, how he liked it because he likes science fiction, but two, uh, to, to let me know if, if my science was was okay, and and it was my you know everything that I, I talked about uh, it is something that's um, you know theoretical, and um, but there, there's something in in uh, you know in with physicists right now is that if you go back in time and change something, the universe is going to repair itself. So your changes, even though if it's something big, that you know, chances are when you come back to the future, things wouldn't have changed. You're and talking about, there are, you're talking about like the Avengers time travel concept of once you change something in the past, it just creates a new branch of history that continues on from where you changed it from. Well, and that's a, yeah, that's, that, that, that's another, that's another theory there. The, uh, um, you know, if, if you do, if you go back and change something, uh, the timeline you were in, uh, is just like it was when you left, but you've branched another timeline off where, where things are different. Right. Uh, but if, if um, you know, it's just, just, just like the Hitler thing, it, time would have fixed itself by, by Gehring stepping in. Um, there was a, um, uh, a book that came out, I think it was 1991 or 1992, uh, written by uh, Harry Turtledove called the, the, the Guns of the South. And the, the, premise, the premise is that... Um, some white supremacists from South Africa went back in time to the American Civil War and gave the Confederates machine guns. And with that superior weapons technology, they won the war. But by the time, you know, 19, the, the year 1900 rolled around, uh, society had fixed all the problems anyway. So, you know, slavery was gone and, and, uh, you know, everything was fixed like it like it would have been, and 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 that's the kind of thing that that I'm talking about, and that that uh, um, you know that that uh, people uh, you know scientists are talking about too. So me going back and and stopping the day the music died is one of those things that that really wouldn't change big events in history, but would bring a little bit more you know happiness and pleasure to the world. I mean, who wouldn't want another body, Buddy Holly song, right? Yeah, but you're talking about the butterfly effect there because one thing affects another thing, which affects another thing, which affects another thing. It's, you know, it's kind of like the snowball that starts at the hill and starts going down the hill until eventually you have an avalanche. So 
I mean, do, right. But wouldn't you rather have have uh, uh, you know a change in music be that butterfly effect? You know, that to start the butterfly effect, then you know, changing something. Uh, that that would affect a world war. Oh, absolutely, because I definitely don't like Madonna's version of The Day the Music Died, and we could live without that. But <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Oh, yes, it does. It's bad. It's really bad. I insist you go and, and look it up on YouTube as soon as humanly possible. You should do it now so we can oh, get your damn reaction your foul hide. I, It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> See, we have altered the course of time right there. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, uh, yeah, My, Miley Cyrus, There, she has a version of a... ACDC's Fly on the Wall. She's got a few so, different songs that are weird. She's got Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, I think, too. Oh, dear. Okay, now I'm now I'm going to have to come to Michigan and fight you. <laughs> I didn't say I liked it. I didn't it. need to know that. <laughs> I didn't, she does a Pat Benatar song, too. She's got an album of all rock covers. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to expose you to this, but I am going to send it to you. <laughs> I didn't have a headache before I started talking to you, and look what happened. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not. Really, I'm not. So anyways, there was a paper apparently that was just released where some kid in a university proved that time travel is mathematically possible without causing a paradox. I don't know if you heard about this or not. Well, I, I did. Yeah, I, I sure did. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I've always been interested in, in, in paradoxes and 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 I've never really had a problem with them. Uh because I mean, say okay, the whole the, the, the grandfather paradox. You go back in time and kill your grandfather. Um, and I mean, and so your father was never born, therefore you were never born, therefore you don't exist. Yeah, but you went back and killed your grandfather, so apparently you do exist. It, it's 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 the whole you know branching timelines. You might not exist in this timeline you just created, but you sure as hell exist in the timeline that you uh, that 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 you came from because you're here. Uh, I, it's one of the problems, one of the very few problems I've had with uh, with Back to the Future, uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, Biff almost raping uh, Marty's mom, which is disturbing. But um, one of the problems is during the during the dance, the the enchantment under the sea dance, you know, he's playing he's playing the guitar and. All of a sudden, his folks walk apart, and he starts to fade out, starts to disappear. How would that happen? He's right there. <laughs> He's not going to disappear. <laughs> this sounds like it was a dramatic event for you. <laughs> oh, it really like I told you, I've been, been a fan of time travel and time travel theory for decades upon decades. So when I watched Back to the Future, I'm like, this movie is freaking great. What the hell's just happened? No, that didn't happen. <laughs> I want to sit and watch these movies with you sometime just to watch your reactions to them. <laughs> right. right. Well, one of my all-time favorite uh, uh, favorite movies is uh, the 1984's Terminator. You know, and, and, and there's, a, there's a, a causality loop that really doesn't, you know, that's, that's not logical. It really shouldn't have happened. But, you know, Schwarzenegger kills people, so I'm all right with it. So how were you with Time Cop then? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> Unintentionally. <laughs> okay. I, I love I love really bad movies and, and Time Cop, yeah, it's 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 right there. So give us your review of Time Cop then. I gotta hear this. Uh well we've got uh well he was it Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, who's who's uh, still on Netflix was pretty good. To... Was it was it at Netflix or was it Amazon? I don't remember. Go ahead. Well, his show? Yeah, he had didn't you did you watch that show he had for a little while? It was pretty funny because it made fun yeah. he made fun of himself 
throughout the whole show. You got to watch it. That's oh, it sounds great. It is. It is. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, there was a, a there was a time, time cop uh, TV show for a while. Um, and the only reason I know that is because uh, Bruce Campbell was in a couple of episodes and I'll watch anything Bruce Campbell's in. But uh, they review it. What review a time cop? It is Jean Claude Van, Van Dam. Uh, I almost said Jean Claude Goddamn. That's how I usually say his name. <laughs> it just comes out. But um, goes back in time to uh, to to fix something and uh, meets his dead wife. Right, that happened. It's been years since I've seen it. That's all I. That's what makes remember. this better. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm going to review a movie that I haven't seen in 20 years, yes. right? <laughs> bad, bad time travel <laughs> reviews with Jason Offit. I'm, I'm totally cool with this. So, All right, all right. And, and the big, big part of the movie, there's no spoilers here. Uh, if you want spoilers, you're not going to get it, but uh, his accent's annoying. And two people cannot, believe, cannot occupy the same place in time at the same time. Or they disappear. Which is also ridiculous. I, I don't I, I I was waiting quite to hear. get that yet. That's right. That's right. You go. That's right. You go back in time. You can't touch yourself, which, which sounds kind of creepy. But go ahead. Would you really want to? Would you really be che- cheating on your spouse if you had sex with yourself? I question that. I've brought huh. that up before. If you were having sex with yourself, are you cheating on yourself? Does that make you gay, or are you in fact simply just masturbating? Right. I, I see you have put a lot of thought into that. Yes. Which we, we've tackled that question on the show before. It's it's brought up numerous debates. Masterfully. So moving on, let's finish up with your new book here so we can give you a chance to push it out there and promote it. What is the synopsis and story behind the new book? Okay, the new uh, – okay, a, uh, a, woman, uh, a woman named Skid. That's her nickname. Uh, a woman named Skid uh, grew up in a circus. Uh, she now works as a uh, as security at, at at concerts in in Kansas City, and after one one night one night of working at an old old Fogies concert, it was the Doobie Brothers. She comes, she was going home and stops at uh, at, at a bar to have one one cocktail, and there's a guy who starts hitting on her. The guy's really annoying, claims to be a physicist. He says something. Uh, about her circus background that pisses her off and she punches him in the face. And as he's falling, poof, he disappears. And throughout the next couple of chapters, strange things start happening. Street signs that had uh, that had specific names that she knew were now slightly different. The name of the newspaper was now different. Uh, she buys uh, a muffin at, at this muffin shop and by the time she gets it home, it's an entirely different muffin. What's going on? What she ends up finding out is there are rifts in time and dimension that keep popping up randomly. And she and the guy who makes the muffins and the man who disappeared in front of her all get together and go back and through times and different dimensions to try and put a stop to this. There seems to be a lot of debating in coffee shops in this book. Yes. Lots of coffee shops. Is that something... Is, are, do, when you write these kind of books and you write this stuff, do you pull from real life events? Do you like, are you like, have you ever been sitting at a coffee shop arguing with somebody and you're like, this would be a good section for a book or something like that? Do you pull from real life experiences to throw stuff into these? Well, I, I pull from, you know, drinking coffee in lots of coffee shops. <laughs> um, 
No, well, I do. I do pull from. I do pull from life experiences and things. Uh, I mean, every every writer does. Mm-hmm. Every writer puts a little bit of themselves or people they know into characters. Uh, you know, for for example, the main character in in, in my book Skid uh, is, is tough and pretty no nonsense and kind of says what's on her mind. That's my sister. Mm-hmm. That's my oldest sister. Uh, she never took any crap from anybody. And yeah, that's that's so. I, I kind of base. Uh, you know, whether I intend to or not, I end up basing uh, I- I- events and um, and behaviors of characters on on real life. So Gary got booted out of the call for whatever reason, I think. Yeah, Gary's not here. He wasn't talking enough. Gary, come on. No, man. his router died on him. He just sent me a message and I'm going to leave this in the show. But um, so you have. We have talked about this before, too. Uh, I think we did on the last episode. You have apparently files and files of strange and weird stuff that you've just never brought out and covered or anything like that. So you have stuff that is out there. You want to start talking about that? Uh, yeah, sure. There's um, man, lots of weird things that have have happened in the, in the world. Um, yeah, I, I used to do uh, used to do a, a column. Uh, for uh, for a newspaper called and, and the column is called From the Shadows and I collected paranormal things and and uh, and, and wrote quite a bit about them everything from um, you know just average run of the mill ghost stories to um, um, you know well time travel the Mike Markham we talked about to to dog men to uh, demon possession and it's yeah it's been a lot of fun except maybe to the guy who was possessed by a demon. Uh, I've also, as as someone who's written uh, written a lot about the paranormal, uh, I've experienced some things too. Especially, you know, some, some when I've been out investigating. Um, and, and I hate to say investigate. I'm I'm a journalist. I'm a reporter uh, by by trade. I was a newspaper guy for 17 years, and and for the last 15, I've I've taught journalism at a university. And um, when I go out. Uh, for a paranormal story, I, I go to the spot it's, it supposedly happened, um, and I interview people about what happened. Uh, I also talk to people who know the history of, of the place, and, and if I you know can't find anybody, I do that research uh, on my own. So so I go go um, you know to, to places as, as as a journalist, and um, sometimes when I've gone, uh, things have happened. Uh, sometimes when I've gone. Uh, like one of the first places I, I, I went to for my 2007 book, uh, Haunted Missouri, uh, which is kind of a tour. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a guidebook for, for, uh, for haunted places in the state that people can actually go to. And, and one of those is called the Vale Mansion. It's in Independence, Missouri. And um, the Vale Mansion is, is a huge Victorian house that the first postmaster of Independence had and uh, he was indicted for mail fraud, and while he was in Washington D.C. with the trial, his wife killed herself with morphine, and her her ghost apparently shows up uh, in at this one spot in the house. And and to show you how I do things, um, I took a tour of the house. I knew one of the docents, and she uh, let me stay there as long as I wanted. So I sat from ten o'clock at night after exploring the whole house. From 10 o'clock until 3 in the morning, on the spot, this woman died, waiting for her ghost to show up. Mm-hmm. And I did that mainly because I want to give my readers the best picture of how things are that I possibly can. 
I, I want to describe the area I'm in. I want to describe the building. I want to describe what it feels like. I, I want to talk about, you know, if if I'm sitting there and something happens and, and I get goose flesh, flesh raised and, you know, a glowing orb of light turns into a, you know, beautiful dead woman, I, I want to be able to describe that as best as I can. Um, I almost fell asleep because nothing happened. But still, I gave a good description. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that that's 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 how I handle things. I go and, and like I said, I've, I've I've experienced a few things. Um, the the Sally House in, in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, it's been on various uh, you know paranormal TV shows. You, are you familiar with with the Sally House? I am, but I'm not up to date with it. It's been a little while since I've talked about it. Houston, we have a problem. We've lost intelligence. We seem to be experimenting some technological differences. <laughs> and then it's weird to just crash for no reason. No, I never have router problems. So, of course, there had to be one tonight. Well, you know, this this is you know, fair, fairly common, actually, um, uh, from what I understand. I mean, I remember certain subjects art bell uh would talk about this would happen to him yeah that's his, right his guest would cut out um there's a, a a podcast i've been on in uh australia mysterious universe and and they yes. certain topics that they talk about they have computer problems something happens so maybe we're not supposed to talk about the sally house i heard you say sally house and then that was it this weird screech came through. That was it. And then Gary joined back up, but you were gone. And then I tried to join you two back together again. And now we're right back where we started from. So if you want to pick up where you left off about the Sally house, I guess we can try doing that again. <laughs> well, this is, this is funny. This is funny because I was talking about a little bit of the history that uh, they don't, people don't exactly know why it's called the Sally house. Um, there's a story, uh, although the validity, validity is questioned, that a, a little girl named Sally uh, died in the house. Uh, the house was owned by a doctor, and he, she died as he was uh, performing an appendicitis or append, uh, you know, appendectomy because she had appendicitis. Uh, but we really, you know, they really don't 100% know why it's called the Sally House. Well, I guess it cut out while I was talking about this dark demonic entity that is supposedly stays in the basement. I, I was talking about a psychic I talked to who, who lives in California who was going to come to the house. She was thinking about the house and she said she felt the entity reach out and, and, and push her. And she decided not to go to Kansas to go into the Sally house. And that's funny that I was talking about that when everything cut out. So you have you been to this house? All right. Well, um, yes and no. Because I I went. Um, I, I was going to do this for for my book, uh, What Lurks Beyond, which I picked out the most paranormal things I could find within 100 miles of my house. And I went. I pulled up. It was an ugly little house. And I went to get out of the car. And my chest kind of <laughs> locked up. I mean, it got really tight and painful. Um, and my breathing got layered, labored and I started sweating and I felt the fight or flight kick in and I just sat back down, shut the door and drove away. And when I got a couple blocks away from the house, I felt fine. But I got hit with something that was that was telling me not to go in, not to get into the house. 
And I've only felt that three times. And generally, um, and I tell people this, if you feel like you're not welcome someplace, don't go. And uh, I mean, there, there, there was, there's a place that I've been to maybe two dozen times, uh, a haunted cemetery and an abandoned chapel called Workman Chapel. And one of the times I went out there uh, by myself, folks listening at home, don't go to these places by yourself. Um, there one time I went out there, I felt like that. But the next 10 times I went, I didn't. Um, so I, I just feel there was something at the Sally House that didn't, that was, didn't want me there and I was going to oblige. And I, I'm, I'm going to say that because since I didn't go there, other than outside, I, I interviewed some people from Topeka, Kansas. They have a, a ghost hunting group that go to the Sally House often. And, and the woman I was interviewing said, well, it's probably best you didn't go in because this is what happened to me the last time we went. I, I was driving home and I felt uncomfortable in the car. I, I felt like I wasn't alone in the car, but, you know, I turned the lights on inside and looked around and stopped. And there was nobody in the car but me. And, and then I got home and, and, you know, got ready for bed and went to bed. But a number of times within the next week, my phone would ring and, and I'd answer it. These, this is landlines. This was back in like 2009 when people still had such a thing. And she said, I'd, I'd pick up the line and it, somebody else would pick up my other line. It sounded like they'd picked up my other phone in the bedroom. And I was home alone. And I went back to the bedroom each time this happened and nobody was there, but the phone was off the hook. And she said, I'm convinced something from the Sally house followed me home and stayed with me for a while. And yeah, I, I don't want that sort of stuff happening to me. And I, I had it happen to me once and, and, and I don't ever want it to happen to me again. See, you've had things like this happen to you before though. I, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I know that there is a thing out there that you exposed yourself to and you don't want to talk about it, but you put yourself into these situations where these things happen. And then you had another situation where it involves the black eyed kids kind of thing, I believe, where you started talking about the black eyed kids and then things started to get weird for you as well. No. Well, no, no, that that that's sort, sort of, but not quite. I. Because I've written quite a bit about Black Eyed Kids, and I've talked about them on podcasts a lot uh, over the years. And back when I was writing about them, I would um, um, I, I was compiling stuff, and I'm like, I've, I've got enough stuff. I can I can I can do a book on this. And my wife, who is a fantastic editor, um, she edits all my stuff, and she said, Jason, please don't write a book um, because the the thing is, she's really not all that big on, on the paranormal, but, but she's like, this stuff could happen. Um, because she heard my dead mom once I'll get to that in a second. Um, but she, she, you know, is, is open to this stuff. And she goes, of all the things you've, you've written about ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, the, the demonic possession, all of this stuff. But the one thing that scares me are these black eyed kids. And if you write a book and get that kind of attention on you and one of these things, knocks on my door when I'm home alone, it is your ass, mister. <laughs> so I decided that, you know, there's certain battles that I do not want to fight. And that was one of them. So I, I didn't write the book. And thankfully, David Weatherly wrote one and I, you know, took took the pressure off my shoulder. But it, it was 
what what it was. Is, I was, you know what? Yeah, that's something I was going to ask you about because you were you were I think the first person to really talk about the whole black eyed kid phenomena. And then Weatherly came along and wrote the book on it. And he kind of gets the credit for being the guy that broke the story on that stuff. And I remember you talking about it before he did. I remember hearing you on other podcasts and stuff before I got started talking about the subject and nothing against Weatherly. I don't, I don't think he, he scooped it off of you or intended to scoop it off you. He sounds like a decent enough guy, but it's always been a pet peeve of mine that he kind of got the credit for bringing the black eyed kids to the world when you were out there talking about it long before he was, if I'm right. Yeah. Which I was, I, I, I hadn't heard uh, of, of David until he wrote the black eyed kids, kids book. And, and I know I'm not, I, I'm happy that he wrote the book and I'm happy he gets most of the, you know, he gets the credit for it because uh, again, that's when you talk about things, when you put a lot of mental energy into things, certain things with the paranormal, it can get attracted to you. For I, sure. I absolutely believe that. And if he's the one attracting these things, more power to him. I mean, I wish I don't, I hope he doesn't attract them. Just I'm, I'm glad, you know, uh, you know, the pressure's kind of off me. What I am upset is about is, is you know, uh, Steph Young? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, do, you, do you remember a story uh, that I wrote years ago uh, on the Harlequin? Vaguely. I remember you talking to Jeffrey Ritzman about it at one point, and Jeff Ritzman was flipping out. And I think it was on Paratopia. That was years ago. Yeah, it it that was. Yeah, right it was. Now. It was a long time ago. Um, I, I I got in con- I got in contact. Uh, well, actually, I was contacted by the guy that this happened to, and I did an extensive, uh, you know, group of stories on this guy on this guy, and always in the back of my head, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book on this. I need to do that. I need to do it. But he had started a blog writing about his experiences, so I figured, you know, I probably shouldn't do it because he'll write a book at some point. Well, Steph Young and him wrote a book on his experiences, and that, that's that been pissing me off ever since that happened. I'm not saying she knew she was, you know, pulling that, out, you know, pulling that uh, rug out from under my feet, but uh, it, it, really, it really upset me. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Do you um... – oh, well. Are you ever going to dip your toe back into the paranormal and start writing stuff about that again? Because I know you do interviews. You were just on uh, Lon Strickler's show recently, and you you come on my show to talk about all this stuff all the time. But you really don't do the blog or anything like that anymore. But you still seem to accumulate this stuff. Well, and, and here's here's what happens. It's 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 the story of um, uh, a dark entity um, inserting itself in my life. Um, I, I hadn't ever had that happen to me before, and. When it did, I mean, I was a little bit upset because I was feeling some physical stuff from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew that in, in the past, this thing had affected people uh, health-wise really negatively. But you know, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can handle that sort of stuff. Uh, but then my, my son, who was five at the time, started complaining of one of the, the you know, of a symptom that's one of the things that that, that this this thing – causes and and it's nothing normal and uh at that point i'm like nope screw it i'm done it it can mess with me and and i can deal with it with my kid no no way in hell and and at that point i've relegated myself in in any more research um in any more of my writing it's only going to be about cryptids it's only going to be about monsters 
or time travel. That's that's what I'm limiting myself to. I, I might I might uh, you know do some stuff on on uh, UFOs uh, at, at some point, but not going into anything that has to do with the spiritual side of uh, of the paranormal. I hate to be vague here to the people listening to the show. I, I think I know what you're talking about, and. It is the thing that shall not be named. Are we thinking of the same thing or whatever? I mean, is this like an artifact oriented thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I've always been curious about that because I know what you're talking about. You don't want to mention it by name, but you're very reluctant to talk about that situation. And I can respect that. I won't push you on it. But Well, it's one of the deals that we talked about, man. I talked about is that um, you talk about this stuff enough, put enough energy in it, it's going to find you. And, and sure. I'm, I'm done with it. So I'm, I'm completely that's as much talking about it on air as I'm ever going to do. That's fine. I get it. And I understand why I'm cool with it. But because I've brought this up with other people and they've talked to me about it. And I'm like, you know, I know somebody who was around these things um, and, and it, it did some screwy stuff. So and they refuse to talk about it. And I understand why. I know I, this is, I'm sorry, people listening to the show, but I have to be we have to be vague here. I really do. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So we'll move on from. I'm glad you did talk about it, though. It's it's pretty neat. Um, Not really neat. Well, yeah. and that's why I mean, I'll, I'll talk about monsters. I'll, I'll research and, and, and investigate monsters all day long because I seriously doubt a Bigfoot's going to come in my yard. I mean, if it does. That could be kind of cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. Are you still writing the Bigfoot porn under a different name or? You know what? I never got around to that. Uh, but, you know, my my uh, my fifth, my 15 year old's almost 16 and he's already looking at colleges. So uh, I should probably do that to pay his way through college. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sells. It sells. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. All right. So we can do one of two things here. We can, uh, Gary, you've got a slew of questions that you've sent me that you want to ask him stuff. Or we can, uh, Jason can just keep on going with different stuff that he wants to talk about. So. Well, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do right now. Perfect. If that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because I mentioned something and, um, and, and Gary said, whoa, or something to that effect. So I should probably not leave. Uh, leave Gary or, or the audience hanging and I'll tell that story <laughs> and then Gary can ask me anything he wants. Go for Excellent. it. All right. So uh, this has to do with my mom who's been dead about 10 years. Um, and this is, this is my, um, uh, this is, this, this is, I'm going to get on my soapbox now about smoking. Uh, my, my grandmother, uh, who's, she smoked most, uh, all of her life. My, my mom uh, who smoked all of her life and my oldest sister who smoked uh, since she was like 14, um, all died of lung cancer. Hmm. Oh. I wonder what the common thread is. Oh yeah. Don't goodness. smoke people. Stay right. off, stay off the, the cancer sticks. Anyway. So, so my mom, um, yeah, she was dying of lung cancer. Uh, she was in hospice. Uh, she knows she, she knew she was going and she, I mean, she was cool with it. She was fine. Uh, she'd accepted things and, you know, I'd, I'd come and sit with her. Um, and, and I was sitting with her one day and then I guess she knew that the, that was it because she died the next day. Uh, first she told me, she said, go home, your, your, your family, your family needs you. I'm like, okay, mom, I'll go home after, you know, in a little bit. And then, and then she was quiet for a while and she said, Jason, don't worry about me. I said, Mom, what do you mean? <laughs> don't worry about you. And she goes, when I die, don't worry about me because I'm going to be okay. 
And I said, Mom, you know, I, I know you're going to be okay. I, I know you're going to be fine. I'm not worried about you. But don't come back and tell me you're okay because that will scare the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. And, and That's true. And she, 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 she smiled at that and she said, I can say, I can say shit, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You can say whatever okay, you want. Okay, cool. I thought I could. Yeah. And then, um, and then she, when I said that, she, she smiled and she goes, I promise I won't come back and tell you. All right. And then, then the next day she passed away. And, um, this is two months after that <clears throat> I was, I was at home. Um, I was sitting in my little writing area, which was always gets relegated to the basement or garage. Um, and I was, I, I was working on something and we had two rooms in the basement and I didn't know my wife was in the other room, but she, all of a sudden she screamed and, and that, that, you know, surprised me. I jumped up and ran into the other room and she was standing over a box uh, because we hadn't lived there all that long. And, and she, uh, um, she hadn't unpacked, we hadn't unpacked a couple of boxes and she was unpacking it. And, and she had a look on her face that I'd never seen. And I'm like, honey, what, what's wrong? My, my wife's name's Kim. And she goes, Jason, your mother just said Kim in my ear. And again, this has been two months after mom died. And which was awesome because of a couple of things. Mom was telling me that she was okay. And two, she kept her promise by not telling me directly. She scared the shit out of my wife instead of me. <laughs> and what yeah. more could you ask? Well, yeah, I know. Which is <laughs> terrific. You know, people get so bent and, out and, of shape about that kind of stuff. They're like, oh, if somebody in my family dies, I don't want them to come back and tell me. And they always get this weird attitude about it. Like, if it was me and my and my mom were to come back and bug me in same way, shape, or form, or just anything, you know, I wouldn't get wigged out about it. I'd be like, "Wow, thanks, man. I appreciate I appreciate the gesture of you letting me know that you're okay, or something like that." It wouldn't creep me out, you know. If anything, it'd be like it'd be nice, you know, because the closest I ever had to that, I had to have hernia surgery a, a couple of years ago, and as I was waking up from the hernia surgery. I saw my mom sitting off to the right. I very, very well. It's extremely possible that I could have just been hallucinating. And I might have told this story here before, but hey, I'll tell it again now real quick. I've got the nurse to my left basically yelling at me saying, sir, I need you to tell me what level of pain you're in from one to 10. What level of pain are you in? And my mom is over sitting in the right side in this chair, almost yelling at me, but being very insistent, telling me when your daughter gets married, she has to buy a dog. You have to tell her that she needs to buy a dog because my daughter was on the deck to get married soon. And I'm sitting there like, what? And she goes, she needs to buy a dog. She's got to buy a dog when they get married. Her and her and the boyfriend have to buy a dog. And I'm sitting there looking at her. And I'm like, you've just come back from the afterlife. You know, this is the first I've seen you since you passed away. And this is what you have to tell me to tell to tell the daughter to go. That could be huge, well, I, though. What she did, I got I, I ended up being the one that bought her the dog. But I was sitting there. And this is typical between me and my mother. We would have these little weird fights like this. And I'm looking at her. I'm like. Seriously, this is this is what you're telling me. And the nurse to the left of me is like, sir, sir, I need to know. And I'm like, 11 billion. That's how much pain I'm in right now. And I'm, I'm looking back at my mom and my mom just kind of faded <laughs> right. out. Of the, she just kind of more or less just faded away. But the whole time I'm sitting there in pain and I'm perplexed and I'm like, did my mom actually just show up to tell me that or am I hallucinating? And if I am hallucinating, then what part of my brain made me hallucinate her saying that? And for what reason? And if I'm not hallucinating, then what was the point of my mom telling me to, to make sure that my kid gets a dog when she gets married? What if there was someone was waiting to do a home invasion and here's the dog? Don't don't really know. But the you nurse never know. is looking at me you like she's know. like, oh, he's hallucinating. He's out of his mind. And I look over at the nurse and I'm like, 
And I'm like, okay, what do you want? What What do you need to know now? And she's like, how much pain are you in? And I'm like, I'm in a lot of fucking pain, but I'm arguing with my mom right now. And they're like, back in my mom, my mom was gone. Yeah. And the nurse is like, okay, all right, whatever. So I've always been kind of perplexed to this day. Like, was that actually my mom talking to me or was I just high as balls hallucinating? That's my little story and I'm sticking to it. Continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's what, you know, it's like, have you ever had contact with a, with a departed relative? I'm like, yeah, I had an argument with my mom over, over my daughter getting a dog. And to this day, I don't quite understand it. I mean, yes, there is the possibilities that could have been to thwart an, a thwart an attacker or, you know, there's all kinds of different things that could happen to where a dog needed to be in their life or whatever. Never question your mother. <laughs> That's that it. The drugs that I was on. <laughs> Coming out of never the question game. either. Actually, yeah. question the drugs. <laughs> yes. So, no, that's the only place you don't have to question the drugs. Yeah. That's true. At a hospital. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's funny <laughs> that you were irritated because um, my wife told me that uh, whenever my mom said her name in her ear, I said, "Well, did you say anything back?" And she said, "Yeah." I said, "Bert, leave me alone. I'm busy." And that, <laughs> that was a, probably at the rate appropriate response. Yeah, you, you always hear about like people right. having experience with people from the afterlife and shit like that. It's like in real situations, it's like what what is what are you really gonna do? Are you gonna do the, the like the movie novelization thing where you just sit in awe and start crying like in ghost or something like that, or are you gonna be annoyed over something stupid? So you know, yeah, it's like damn it, I sh- great timing. Yeah, that would be it. Great, great <laughs> exactly. <timing. laughs> So when you heard about that, did you like vocally thank your mom or something like that? Did you, you know, say, hey, mom, thanks. I appreciate it or what have you. You know what? I, I don't remember. I mean, that, that, was, that was, you know, all so sudden and, and you know, shocking that that happened. I, I don't remember what I did. It was an oh, by the way thing. Oh, if, if, if I didn't. Hey, hey, mom, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for, for uh, yeah, coming back to camp. I really appreciate that. Okay, there I did. Thanks. <laughs> it's on record now that you have yeah. thanked your mom. You got to thank the mom. All right. Always. So, Gary, where do you want to go? Because oh. I know you've got more questions than a uh, Trump uh, hearing. Gary oh, went there. So, uh, one of my yeah. one of my Send hate things I wanted to ahead. bring up is I had an experience in Maine. I didn't know this experience was actually an experience, other than it was weird, until you talked about the Missouri Night people. And, All right. Uh, I uh, I had gone. I was in Maine, living in Maine at the time, and I couldn't even tell you where I was, other than it was North Waterville, and north of Unity, out, up in the sticks, and there was this one little town, and you go there in the daytime. And we always, we called it Sims Lot because you go in the daytime and every yard had a dog, but there was never any people. You go there at three in the morning. The kids are out playing in the streets. People are barbecuing. The, the church, which is covered with painted quotes all over the clapboard church of these weird like year of their father, the devil and the loves of your father, you will do. And it covers the whole church like graffiti. And there'd just be people milling around all day and not liking the fact that we're driving down their main street. And then we just made sure to never, ever go back after that. But, uh, yeah, tell us about Missouri night people, because that absolutely enthralls me. Well, yeah, and uh, the the man who uh, who witnessed them, uh, his name's Vern Windsor. And when when he was young, like uh, five, six, something like that, um, which would have been early 60s, maybe, um, 1960, maybe, uh, around there. Anyway, he, he, um, he hated going to bed. And when his parents sent him to bed, he would often just play in his room. 
And uh, he said a lot of times when he'd be playing in his room, he would see something moving outside. And he'd go to his window and look. And there would be people walking around. And he said it, it, it was it was weird because they'd be coming in and out of houses. Uh, he said it would be odd for him to see somebody mowing the yard. Um you know, a couple walking yeah. down this this street with a with a you know baby in a stroller, kids playing, and it was it was weird. You know, he and he figured that you know these people are doing this, and it's night, right? And they're doing the same thing that we do during the day, so we're the day people, and they're doing that stuff. They're the night people. They just live in our houses and stuff, at, at, and do stuff in our yard at night. And that's probably when they go to work too. The the right. one thing that really stood out to him as as odd was that they had eyes like a fish. Oh wow! Yeah, bulbous, like bulbous. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Doing a little uh, yeah H.P. Lovecraft action there. Um, so yeah, that and it did that didn't bother him because you know a kid five or six doesn't get that freaked out over those things. And he would he would watch them a lot. Uh, there was one time when he when he was sent to bed. However, when, um, when, when something kind of uncomfortable happened, he was staring out the window and a couple of kids were playing ball in his yard and, and he put his hands up to the window to, to look at the kids because he wanted to go outside and play with the kids. Well, when he put his hands on the window, he said these two adults who were talking turned and looked at him and that's the only time that any of these night people had, had noticed him and then he he blanked blacked out and he wow. woke up the next morning on his on the floor and he had a bloody nose cuz that that starts sounding almost like an abduction experience right and it sounds more like an abduction experience when he told me he was about uh he, i don't know 25 30 something like that mm. he uh something he he felt something in his nose and he got out his handkerchief and blew and he said it looked like a Tylenol capsule but it was chrome. Oh, wow. And after he blew it out of his nose, it kind of melted into nothingness. So he, I mean, he couldn't save it or anything. It was just gone. So it really, yeah, it really sounds to me like, uh, like a possible abduction experience. The, the, you know, maybe an implant that was in his nose and, uh, you know, the blanking out with the, with the bloody nose. Sure. Did he continue to have uh, sightings of the night? He, people after he that? said they, they moved to, um, a nearby town of Liberty, Missouri. And uh, he said he saw them a couple of times, but then uh, after that, they, he never saw them again. Huh. Which is one of the things that, you know, I, I also believe this is that children can see things that we can't. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, flat out, there's they've got to be able to see things because some of the things they talk about and, and they bring up, um, there's no way they could know this sort of thing. I, I was, I was, Interviewing, uh, interviewing a guy who lived in uh, Lone Jack, Missouri, and his house was on the site of the Battle of Lone Jack. It was a bad civil. It was a Civil War battle with just a ton of, ton of deaths. It was also um, where Rooster Cogburn lost his eye. If you're a John Wayne uh, fan, right, right, right. <laughs> anyway, he, um, this guy was, he and his family moved because in this new house, his son who was about six years old was playing jacks and he was like, how do you know how to do that? Because they'd never had jacks, jacks, I mean, sure. nobody plays jacks. And he was talking about the man who came in his basement and would show him how to play jacks. 
and he described this guy and it sounded to the father like a, a civil war union uniform sure. and you know he got out of you know he got out something i don't know if he looked it up on on the internet or pulled a book out and showed the guy a picture the, the, his son a picture and the picture the kid was like yeah he looks like that and um yeah they they, they moved fairly quickly after that Man, it's, it sounds yeah. like a weird. I, I can envision this completely in my head as like an issue, like a, 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 a Twilight Zone episode. You know, I could see everything in black and white. The kid looking out the window and seeing the people on the street walking around doing things as normal, pushing baby carriages and everything as though it were daytime. Not a thing different. And the guy watching it from the window. I mean, it's it, it, this, no, man, it's not a Twilight Zone episode. It's just we're talking about it in 2020. You know, that's right. It is a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, that's for sure. I can envision in my head, like the whole story happening in my head, you know, and at the end of it, the guy's just like, he doesn't know what happened or whatever. There's, there's a short story here somewhere that you should write, but I probably should. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've thought about. I've got so many great stories with so many great creatures that, yeah, I should, uh, I, I've actually thought about writing a, uh, uh, a humor horror story by taking all of the creatures I've ever written about and put them in the same story. You got to do it. Oh, no, no. You do an anthology. You do an anthology where these creatures and these worlds are connected. That could work, too. You have to come up with the 42 of crypt, you know, of, 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 of the pair, the 42 of paranormal. Yes. yes. <laughs> all right. That's all. You on that? We'll, we'll expect <laughs> yeah. that by the end of the week. Oh, dude, I'm all over that. So how many more of these creature stories do you have like that that you could pull from and do things with? Oh, I, well, I mean, a, a bunch. I mean, I, I really can't put uh, put a name on it. I mean, I've done um, – I've interviewed uh, a few different people about gnomes that they've seen. Awesome. Yeah, like two to three foot tall, pointed hat, beard, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, Um Giant talking cockroaches. We we talked about that last time you were on here. The woman opened up the hotel yeah. door and there was a cockroach out there and made clothes uh, to, and room cleaning clothes. Yeah, God, wanting like to give towels. Lunch. Yeah, naked. So lunch. I mean, yeah, there, I mean there there are, there are, there are a whole lot of these uh, a lot of these weird monsters. There's there's a Bigfoot and I think it's North Dakota that apparently wears a top hat and tails. Uh, what? No, tell me about this. Yeah. Stop! Stop! <laughs> we'll stop. Let's... He is classy. <laughs> There's one in, in Canada. I don't remember what province it's in, but it's um, it's called the uh, what's it called? Old Yellow Top, because it basically has David Lee Roth hair. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. All what I you... can picture now is this Bigfoot going singing, uh, Yankee Rose or something, running around in the woods. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like doing the David Lee Roth jump in the air, leg split kind of thing as it jumps down on you in slow motion. I'm glad that may exist. <laughs> the world is better with this okay, creature. Okay, so the Bigfoot it. with the top hat and tails. All right, yeah, this Bigfoot. Um, it's in it's in South Dakota. I don't know why I was thinking North Dakota. Maybe because they both have the word Dakota in the name. Um, it's called. I'm going to butcher this. The the Taku He. And it's uh, Bigfoot in South Dakota. It's it's you know the same type of description. It's uh, uh, tall, seven eight foot tall, covered in hair, smells awful, uh, but has a bad attitude. Uh, 
it's uh, it's a little bit more violent um, than than most Bigfoot, but it is also a snappy dresser. People have seen have seen this Bigfoot looking into uh, looking at peeks into windows. By the way, it it's, it peers into windows, but uh, it's also been reported wearing. It's, it looks like a big gorilla that wears a top hat and a tuxedo coat. That's and it was seen the, the last major the last major story was in uh, was in 1977 and uh, people saw this creature in in uh, in town and it people ran it out into the country and uh, and people later reported farmers and ranchers saw it later in the country around livestock that uh, that had been brutally ripped to shreds Wow. So is this the singing frog from Looney Tunes? That's what this is, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, my honey. Yeah, I got that. Hello, my baby. That's right. <laughs> Hello, my raggy. It, it brings up a lot of these kind of UFO and high strangeness stories where people are seen or kids are seen or whatever is seen. And it's just not quite right. It's like they're, yeah, I, I think the Bigfoot had a, had a had a top hat, Joe. No, I don't think it had a top hat. Just give it a top hat and coat. I think we're good. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, it could be. All right. Let's. I think there are a lot of things that are connected to uh, to UFOs that we don't necessarily register as being connected to UFOs. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Uh, because of little things like this that are just not quite the way we expect them to be. You know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with cases of like people encountering deer or large rabbits or owls, and they have large black almond-shaped eyes. Have you, you heard right. those stories? And then later, you know, after, after, under hypnosis, they they remember you know being abducted by aliens. There, there's a case in Missouri back in uh, I think it was 1967 or 68 uh, near the state capital of Jefferson City, where uh, a farmer on Valentine's Day saw a, um, a mushroom, a huge green mushroom in his, in his farm field, and it was surrounded with uh, four-foot-tall green penguins with, you know, black almond-shaped eyes. What I'm – and he threw rocks at it, and they got back into the mushroom, and it went up in the sky. But what, what <laughs> I, all these things make me think of is that if they're extraterrestrials or whatever entities they are – they are trying to approximate something that is familiar to people, right? You know, uh, like like the like the bunnies and the uh, and the penguins. You know, they're cute. You know, they mean you no harm. Uh, deer kill approximately 150 humans in, uh, in in North America every single year, so they're not, you know, they're not harmless. Sure, no. But, but um, anyway, so I think that they try and approximate things that look normal to us, but they don't get it right. And, you know, I don't know why they would try to approximate a Bigfoot, but if something did and didn't get it quite right, you know, why not make it look uh, look snazzy? Right. It's the Tom Ford Bigfoot. See, the thing right. is, you've had this experience <laughs> out in the woods or whatever, something happens, you see Bigfoot. Telling somebody Bigfoot is already a strange enough experience. Then having to add on to it, he had a top hat, a tuxedo coat on. And he was in the woods being an asshole. That's that's even more fantastic because they're already going to laugh at you. Yeah, you see a Bigfoot, you know, when you tell people that you have a strange experience, unless they're in the know and of the people that we are of right now. But the average layperson is probably, oh, you're you're nuts. He's seeing Bigfoots in the woods. And then you have to, you know, then why would you want to embellish the story to make it even weirder? Because you're already going to get laughed at. Like in that particular situation, I probably wouldn't tell anybody that I saw a Bigfoot with. Yeah. 
a top hat and a tuxedo coat. I may tell people that I saw a Bigfoot, but I'm not going to go the extra mile and add the weirder, weirder elements into the story. So... No, I would use a nice jean, maybe, you know, a loafer or something like that. Something believable. Maybe an I'm with yeah. stupid t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They should all have that. There's no need to embellish those stories to make them any weirder because it's already weird enough you're seeing it. So to go the extra mile and add that onto it, it's kind of like, why, why would you do that? when the general person's already going to be laughed at as it is, you know? Well, then maybe, maybe it's some, uh, some, uh, entity, maybe not malevolent, maybe just, uh, you know, a little bit mischievous. Who's like, I- I'm going to screw with this person. This is going to be hilarious. Okay. This is going to be great. So I want them to see Bigfoot. All right. So I'm going to look like Bigfoot, but I don't want them to tell anybody. So yeah, I'm going to make him wear, you know, a tuxedo shirt and a, in a, in a, you know, top hat. That's one of the reasons why I always go back to like, like I'm not in the camp that this is anything. I, it's all kinds of different things, in my opinion. But I also believe that there's something out there that can interact, like the trickster element. You know, I don't think everything is the trickster. I don't think all UFOs are nuts and bolts. I don't think, you know, all of this stuff is any one thing. But you've got this element of the trickster there where it's like, all right, let's screw with these people a little bit. Let's give them a Bigfoot. And like you said, now we're going to make it a little bit weirder. Okay, now you saw that. Take it and run with it and do something. With well, it. right. And like the Harlequin stories, you know? Well, like, yeah, exactly. Like the Harlequin stories, that that's a perfect example. And also like, uh, uh, like Slenderman, uh, because, you know, we know that Slenderman is, is, is fictional. It, it was made up for, you know, a creepypasta on, on, oh yeah, it was total fabrication. But I've talked with people who swear to me that they saw this. They sure. saw this, you know, at a park. They saw this, you know, at, out, out in the woods. They, they, they saw it, you know, walking, you know, behind somebody's house down the alley. And, well, am I going to doubt them? Yeah, maybe. Are they gaining anything by telling me this story? Absolutely not. Could there have been an entity? Yes. Was it Slender Man? No, but it was something, again, picking up on the energy people are putting into the inner, into the in, in, entity, into, uh, into Slender Man. Because there was a lot of mental energy put into Slenderman for a while, so why wouldn't these entities pick up the shape and and show right. themselves to people? It becomes sort of an egregore or a tulpa. Right, yeah. right, right. That's kind of how magic works, though. Too, you put your intent and your thought out there, and enough of it, after a while, it just gravitates to it and pulls it in. Right. So, hundred percent. You know, if you believe in magic, or if you believe in manifestation through concentration or intent, then yeah, it makes sense to go along those lines and for those things to happen. But you know, I've done a little experiments with that, to where you know, there's been a drawing, and I've just stood there, and in my head, I've pictured my name being pulled out, and I say my name over and over in my head, and every time I do that, not every single time, but a lot of the times, they pull my freaking name out. And when I'm not doing that, I, I don't ever win anything. So there could be something to it. Welcome to the world of magic, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Would you like to speak with either of us off the air? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I have to I don't know if you. I want to think it's any more real, okay? Right. <laughs> I have to ask you about Harlequins. Because I think I think a lot of people listening, unless they've you know really delved into that, are thinking, what, they're those horrible little china heads that every girl in the 80s had three of in a diagonal row in their in their bedroom in like 1984 
but I don't think a lot of people realize that there's this whole phenomenon just Harlequins, and they're right. terrifying. Well, yeah, they they are. Um, the 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 man I was I was talking with, um, gosh, oh, his name is escaping me because it's been years since since I I talked with him, but um, he had from a, a young age uh, stories. Um, uh, you know, he had, he had a, encounters with this entity that would come through a hole in his wall. He didn't have a hole in his wall, but it would come. This thing would come through his wall, and he said it was thin, uh, androgynous, um, it had pale skin, uh, wore a wig, and it never talked. He never heard anything out of its mouth, but it would dance for him. So it was Prince, and hmm. so it was, it was Prince. Prince, and it would. And and it was it would mind things, but he knew what it was trying to convey. It knew the information uh, that that it was trying to tell him. And he said he said this one time. Uh, I mean, he'd tell his parents about it, and and they would um, you know act a little nervous, but you know they you know tell him it was nothing. And he and he said one day when he was I don't know about eight or nine, he was down at dinner, and they were sitting around having a nice family dinner. And there was a thump from upstairs. And all of a sudden, everybody froze, except for him. And, you know, his you know, brother had a, like a glass of water halfway up to his mouth. And it was frozen. And his, and his sister um, you know, had you know, like mashed potatoes on a, on a fork. And she was froze. Her, her, his dad um, dropped. His head hit the table. The mom froze. And after a few minutes, everything, you know, everybody unfroze and um, it was completely, uh, you know, normal again. And nobody talked about it because nobody seemed to know. But he was convinced that it, it was the Harlequin, you know, trying to tell him something because, you know, maybe not not to talk about it anymore. And he experienced this for for a few a few years in his in his room until it, he got old enough and stopped coming. But then he started to see it again. And the way it was dressed, it had, you know, like a, a tutu type of thing on, um, you know, very, very clownish, uh, like a French clown. Um, but he said he saw it as a teenager. He, with some friends, were, were driving around um, one night on a Friday, like, like teenagers do. And they saw a, a girl. They thought it was a girl that, that they knew and she was walking kind of awkwardly and they figured she was drunk. They would stop and give her a ride. And when they pulled up close to it, it turned its head and it was this Harlequin. They could tell that it was a wig and it was wearing really, really odd clothing and its mouth always was in a, a surprised, you know, like you're surprised at an O shape. And they saw it, and he said his buddy driving immediately pissed his pants. And, yeah, I would think. And they tore out of there and you know, dumped him off at his house, and everybody just went home and never talked about it again. And he kept having experiences like that through the years, whether it be he and his dad uh, um, you know, out, out in the country. He said he, they, they rounded a, a corner on a hill, and there looked like, a woman pushing a baby carriage, but something was off about it. And they turned around and came back and looked, and it was this Harlequin oh. pushing a baby carriage. Oh, what the fuck? And the dad, you know, 
kept going and found another road to 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 get home on. But but these things kept kept wow. kept happening and happening. And the last time I talked to him, um, he said he was he was scared because his, his kid was five at the time uh, when I talked with him. And he said his kids started talking about the same thing that he talked mm. about, about this entity coming through the wall and dancing no. for him. No, and, no. Yeah. Well, and this is what he, fig- why he figured that his, his parents acted awkward, that his dad might have encountered the same thing when, when he sure. was young. Because, you know, these things happen generationally. And, and uh, man, that is just super creepy. And they, they go back in time a lot farther than we expect, too. So I was listening to a lecture it may have been you i can't remember it's been so many years now and uh, talking about the history of harlequins and that they were tra- tracing them back to you know before like you know the medieval times back even farther but uh just just the history of clowns alone uh, i don't think has a has a delineated beginning and there's like kind of the shadow to where that all kind of started from yeah harlequins are kind of their own weird thing they're like they are. They're this. They're creepier because mimes are already creepy. Like, there's a lot of people that I know that really yeah. just want to walk up and punch mimes in the face. But the Harlequin takes it an extra step further of beyond. Just like it's it's an even creepier factor to it because of the way that they look. They're not quite yeah. gestures. They're not quite like really anything. They own as far as the, the the quote unquote clown world goes. They hold this special, very bizarre place. Yeah, for sure. And and these things aren't. I mean, it's it's yeah, and, and and they're either multiple, of course, or the same one tormenting other people. I, because I uh, I interviewed a woman who was uh, her and a friend were shopping in Lawrence, Kansas, and she said this entity. I mean, it, and she just thought it was weird when she experienced it, but then she heard me talking about the Harlequin on on a show, and she got a hold of me because this thing was just dancing around the street. Mm. And her and her, her friend were, were sitting on a bench eating ice cream. You know, they, they were shopping and then bought some ice cream. They're sitting there and it was there one second and vanished the next. And she said there was no place for it. No, no place for it to go, really. Uh, I, 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 there was a case that I read about in, in uh, 2004 in uh, Winchester uh, in England. Uh, mm. A city councilman, a guy named Adrian Hicks, was walking down the street at one, uh, one, one thirty, maybe noon, somewhere around there, lunch, lunch hour, late lunch hour. He was walking downtown and saw a blonde girl, uh, but it looked like it was in a wig, in, in, in what he said was a dirty ballet dress. And she was just dancing, uh, and then she would stop and walk, and he said it was like in a penguin-like gait. And, oh. and she was, uh, he said she would stop and stare at things, with, you know, a look of amazement on her face, although it was like normal stuff, like like a clock, you know, in a, in a window or, you know, uh, uh, you know a, a lamppost or something like that. She was like, you know, looking at it like it was something, you know, crazy new. And um, eventually it's, I mean, he, he lost track of her in, in this crowd, but he was certain that she was an extraterrestrial. Um, I, I, I actually, I called the council, uh, I called the, the, the government building to, to talk to him. And he told me that it was most definitely an alien. What? Wow. He, he said, he said it was most definitely an alien. I watched her, 
for a very good eight minutes plus. And uh, yeah, that's what's what well, he if was, it was sure eight of, minutes, but, then that must be it. But his description yeah. of her sounded a lot like the Harlequin. Yeah. It Are does. you sure he just wasn't messing with you because he had you on the phone calling and asking these kind of questions? Well, no, well, no, like, because it was. I mean, it was. If he if he was, it was. He, he lied to a newspaper in uh, uh, in in Hampshire, England. Because I even I called and talked with the with the reporter who wrote the story, and he's like, yeah, he he's pretty sure of it. He said uh, um, there had been lots of publicity. He said nobody's come forward to corroborate uh, you know what he saw, but he he's uh, Mr. Hicks is certain what he saw. Again, man, you've got fodder for for short stories or for books here. You, you, oh yeah, you need to create for a character life. or something to deal with this kind of stuff, you know, or take characters that you had in the past, and you've got this whole world of creatures that you have access to that people don't really talk about or or what have you. You're going to have to do more Skid and Dave books. Skid and Dave save the world, you know, and each one is a different cryptid or group of cryptids. You know, in the group of, uh, you know, I said that the horror book I wanted to write, uh, the humor horror book where I threw all these monsters in, it was going to be going to be a Dave and Skid book. Oh, that'll be great. See, you're yeah. set. You've, you've got all yeah. of this stuff to use right here. But um, yeah, you need to do this, man. You need to do it. Gary, did you want to ask him about little people or anything like that? Because we're, I we're getting... did um, specifically the D- Detroit Red Dwarf. Ah, my homeboy. Yeah. Hey, uh, before I get to the uh, to the uh, name Rouge, which is the the, the red dwarf from uh, from uh, uh, Detroit, uh, about the Harlequin, uh, one of the people on on a piece that I wrote, I, I got a hold of Brad Steiger and interviewed him about it, and he was pretty convinced that these things are. Uh, he called it the uh, the Earl King, the uh, huh. the king of uh, the king of elves. And he said these these creatures uh, seduce and steal children. So um, I just wanted to throw in there that I talked to Brad Steiger and he was really cool. <laughs> I bet he was. Brad was cool. He was somebody that I'd really wished I got on the show at some point or time, but he he moved on before I could do it. He was somebody that I'd studied for years and years, and he'd been around for a long Absolutely. time. And yeah. he was on the bucket list to have on here, but just never happened. I, I got the I got the good fortune to talk with him a few t- few different times. Uh, a couple of a uh, couple of times I interviewed him about uh, various uh, various paranormal topics, and uh, you know a couple of times I just talked to to shoot the shit, and he was he was awesome. Yeah, he was one of the originals. He was one of the original big paranormal yeah, investigators. Sure. I've got a couple of yeah. his books here. Quite a few of them. And he was plagiarized a lot. A lot of people were. Uh, oh, yeah. Because he had so, so, so much material out there that, um, you know, and he, I, I don't even think he cared. He knew people were doing it. I'd heard him in interviews and stuff. And he says, yeah, I know people do it, but what am I going to do? He's like, I've got such a, you know, wasn't trying to be conceited or arrogant. He's like, I've got such a catalog of this stuff that I've covered behind me over the years that, you know, it's bound to happen just because I've got so much of it. So, well, yeah, the dude wrote like 70 books on the paranormal yeah. or maybe more than that. I mean, he, he was he he was the guy. Yeah, he was. He was, I really wish that I had him on the show. I wish I wish that I had a, had a chance to talk to him because it was those things. I was like, where do I start? What do I what do I ask first? Where do I? Yeah, I, this? that'd be a hard one to put together, especially to come up with something that hasn't been, you know, on every episode. But that's true. Oh, it'd be easy. He had so much stuff. <laughs> he had so much stuff. It's like it's like Jason's got all this stuff buried here. It's like, all right, what do you want to talk about that we really haven't talked about or you haven't talked about in a long time? So, anyways, 
Nain Rouge. Yeah, my uh, literally in my backyard. Um, this is a story that is dear and clear, dear and very close to me. That um, it's that we've actually got a few different brewing companies and things up here that have named beers and stuff after. This and movie. why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. All right. This uh, the Nain Rouge, the the Red Dwarf. Uh, yes. It was uh, it was seen. It was known by the uh, by the indigenous peoples. Uh, way before Europeans came and poured concrete over everything. Uh, it's described as a small, uh, man-like beast with flaming red eyes and rotten teeth and uh, reddish-black fur over its body. Um, the Ottawa Indians uh, knew that the dwarf was they, – they, they felt it was their protector. And then the French came in and screwed everything up. Um, they were also aware of the name Rouge um, – and they, they felt that the Nain Rouge cursed the city, the city being uh, Detroit. Um, and they saw it as a symbol of death. And uh, one of the reasons that they thought that was there was a, there was a battle of uh, the Battle of Bloody Run. Uh, it was the French versus the, uh, the, the British. And the, the battle was so bloody that a creek that went by uh, that went by the battlefield turned red for days is, is what the mm. claim was, and uh, the they you know people saw people reported seeing the Nain Rouge dancing among the corpses. Uh, they also people also saw that the Nain Rouge was uh, in the city of Detroit in 1805. They saw it dancing around when fire burned a lot of the city. Uh, people saw it in, uh, in, uh, you know, in 19 or in 1812, uh, when, uh, you know, general William Hall surrendered Fort Detroit to the British. Uh, it was seen a number of times throughout the uh, times throughout the 1800s. Uh, it was also seen that one of the last times it was seen, it was seen, uh, before the, the 12th street riot in 1967 and before an ice storm, uh, in 1976, a couple of utility workers thought they saw a child who climbing a utility pole, uh, but when they went to get it down, that it was a red dwarf covered with uh, with flaming red hair. And uh, yeah, so generally, we uh, the the everyone of European descent again who poured concrete over everything uh, see it as a um, you know sort of a, a an omen of of, of disaster. We actually had another sighting of it way back in the day. In Michigan, you can tell how old a person is and how long they've lived in Michigan. Back in the 80s, the early 80s, we had this inland hurricane that came through Detroit. And it turned the sky green and several tornadoes were in the area that I live in. Several tornadoes touched down and it really messed up a big chunk of the city. And most of the city and the outlying regions of the city lost their power for days. And it's referred to as the green storm because the sky turned emerald green after the storm was over with for hours. And it struck in the early morning hours. And uh, there was a bowling alley that lived by me. The back of the building, the back of the bowling alley got blown off. And there was a creek that ran by it. And there was bowling pins and stuff in it. We, when we were kids, we'd pull these bowling pins out. Like, yeah, hey, we got a bowling pin. But the sky turned like emerald green for hours. It was really weird and eerie. So nobody had power. So back in the early 80s, uh, cable was in its infancy and... You know, you had the old cable boxes where it had the cord attached to the TV and you'd push the tabs down to change the channel and stuff. Very different. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember those. So 
nobody had anything to do, so neighbors would all come outside during the summer when it happened, and we would all just sit on our front porch, and some people would have little little fires going on in their front yard or have lanterns outside and stuff, and everybody would just sit and hang and talk at night and hang out with our neighbors because nobody had any power. So we would listen to the radio stations that were playing whatever they were at the time, and you still had a couple of stations that played old spooky stories and stuff, but people started calling into these shows talking about how they were seeing the Nain Rouge, like running around the, the streets of Detroit and in the suburbs and things like that. People brought the stories back up again on the air. Now, do I know if there's any validity to them or not? I don't know, but it was a really strange thing. Like, because at the time it was the early 80s, this legend hadn't been around for a while, except up to the race riots that happened down in Detroit. But every time... It's been a little while since it's been brought up again since, too. But every time that some kind of tragedy to, uh, befalls the city or some great event happens, people start showing up and telling stories about this. There is actually a parade that happens every year in Detroit that's in defense of the Nayan Rouge. And um, they everybody shows up. They make these floats and things like that. And then it's just, it's just somebody books up you know, the space for it. And then people show up and they do the march of the Nayan Rouge down the street in favor of the Nayan Rouge. And they are all holding signs like stop picking on little red and things like that. Like you can YouTube it and find the videos for it. It's really cool. And people show up with home floats. They'll convert their cars into like floats and, you know, people dress up like devils and like little demons and throw candy out to the kids. And then after it's done, everybody just resumes and goes and does this big pub crawl in the area. It's pretty neat. And um, I was supposed to go this year, but COVID derailed all of that, of course. So... So now, when, when people picture it, is it is it is it ape like? Is it you know? Am I thinking of something like the Florida swamp ape that's more orangutan in in um, nature, or is it more just a hairy guy? I've always heard of it referred to as a hairy guy. I don't know what Jason's had it referred to because he's from outside of the state. And of course, he probably gets different stories and hears different stories, and that's always been referred to us as just like it, like. Like a little gnome, you know, like a little red gnome with the beard and the red hat and all that wearing red clothes, except for he's got this devilish grin. Like Verner's used to be made in Detroit. Verner's is a big Michigan ginger ale thing. And their little their little guy was a gnome for a little while. And the story goes that that's where they got the inspiration to come up with the Verner's gnome was from Detroit's Nan Rouge little red gnome dude. So, you know. Yeah. Well, well, well for what, what uh, you know, the, the research that I did, it was, you know, seen as a uh, as, as a dwarf, a human, a, you know, small yeah. diminutive human that was just red and uh, and had lots of hair. It's kind of like that movie huh. Leprechaun, but red. Yeah. Oh, OK. That's how you have to think of it. And it's uh, sure. everything that like the local legends around here that people what most people don't talk about anymore because generations passed and stuff. But. You know, when I was a little kid growing up, you know, my grandparents would sit and tell me about it. It was a little pain in the ass. Like it used to run around, smash people's windshields out and run its claws across people's cars and rip up paint and break windows. It would do things to instigate more violence and more problems is what it would do. Or if whatever was violent, whatever bad things were going on, it would appear and it would feed off of that stuff. It was kind of like it would live off of. Like, that's why it shows up in times of, of ill omen and bad things that are happening. Sure. Like when the riot said it's kind of, it's not so much a a like a banshee where it's like it's showing up to like foretell it something bad is happening it goes up when bad things are happening or just after they have happened hmm. they stir up more problems and troubles but that i know of there hasn't been any recent sightings or reports of it up here 
And, you know, now we've got that festival that happens in Detroit every year saying quit picking on the Nan Rouge, you know, and that people make their signs that say stop picking on Little Red. And, you know, they march in celebration of the little guy. It's kind of become a thing in Detroit now where people are trying to own it and make it their mascot, oh, of which course. is weird for me. You know, I don't know if I'd be wanting to have a mascot that celebrates death and destruction and mayhem. <laughs> so, but as long as he's on your side. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Nain Rouge is we have a, a river that flows through Detroit called the River Rouge, which is the Red River. And I think that's how it got its name was from that battle, um, which is now it's not it's not really a creek anymore. It's actually like blown into a full blown river and they actually use it for shipping and receiving and things like that. They have freighters that go into it, and et cetera. But I believe that's where it got its name from is that battle. And that's like the, the Nain Rouge is where the name comes from because that, that battle took place. That was it's like it's like Jason said the the, red, the river ran red with blood, and that river feeds into the Detroit River. It's a tributary of the Detroit River, which of course leads into Lake Erie right. and et cetera. You know, it's part of the Great Lakes. It's like a it's a go between between two of the Great Lakes, and it runs right past Detroit. It's not too far from where I huh. live either. Um, it's not very beautiful and majestic, but <laughs> and it's got a wicked current. But you know, huh. There's also somebody, there's a voodoo organization. They haven't quite figured out who it is yet, but a few years ago, every once in a while, something will go into the Detroit River and they'll have to send divers down to fish it out. And they keep bringing up like these voodoo jars and these different things that are along the shorelines. They keep finding all this. There's, there's people out here that are performing voodoo or some kind of Haitian magic that deposit their stuff into the Detroit River. And they keep finding this stuff and bringing huh. it Doesn't up. Detroit so have enough problems? <laughs> we, well... It's, it is on the rebound. It really is. The city's come a long, long way. I was down there a couple of years ago for a wedding, and I couldn't believe how much different it is and how much it's changed. Like, there's people riding around on little scooters. There's, there, was a, there was a park in the middle of the city that was before it was just a rat's nest, like a hellhole of a park, and it had all new stuff. There was a free arcade set up in the middle of it with video games and a tent over it. You could just show up and play video games if you wanted to. And like there's a lot of hipsters and stuff. There's a lot of urban gardens down there where people have just said nobody owns this land is not doing anything. So we're going to come in here and plant a garden for the neighborhood. So you've got these gardens all over Detroit where people just grow their own stuff for the neighborhood. And anybody in the neighborhood's welcome to it. People just show up and plant stuff. And at the end of the year, if, like if your neighbor needs a tomato, they just go out and grab a tomato or a cucumber or what have you. So, yeah, it's coming a long way, but it still does have its problems. Well, every place does. Man, that's kind of sounds like Portland. Yeah. Right, Oregon, not Maine. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, we've been on here for quite some time now, and we haven't had any uh, on-air explosions in quite a bit. Is there anything else anybody wants to go over before we uh, cut loose on this? The secret UFO base in Jefferson City. Oh man, yeah, um, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was contacted uh, a number of years ago by a uh, gosh. I'm having a problem thinking of the guy's name because it's been so long. But he worked at the Jefferson City uh, Penitentiary, the penitentiary down there, uh, the 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 state one. Uh, it was it was pretty bad. It was I mean the, the penitentiary held held some really bad people. It was called like the bloodiest forty acres in America at one point because wow. uh, way back in the day there was uh, there was a riot and uh, just lots of slaughter. Um, but anyway, it's 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 closed now, and it's been closed for a few decades. And this guy was a um, um, security guard for the last you know last few years that the thing existed. And he swears that there were that there were UFOs coming in and out hmm. uh, of, of the place. 
And he said uh, he actually saw one uh, with, 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 you know, with his bare eyes come down and people, other guards unloading things off of it. Uh, but then he, uh, he didn't last there very much longer. Uh, he was, he was let go and he thinks maybe it's because he saw that, but he, he went, uh, down there often with a camera at, at night and shot infrared, infrared pictures. And he said that he claims that he's got all these pictures of, uh, of UFOs flying over and into the old penitentiary. And he's, he's got them posted on a, on a website. I haven't gone to it in years, but, but he's, he's convinced that, um, that UFOs are in and out of that spot. He is so convinced that people know about it. I know not just know about it, but know about him knowing about it. He was calling bingo at the VFW local VFW hall and, uh, around Jefferson city. And he said a couple of men in black came to the door. They didn't pay to get in like they were supposed to, but they walked in, uh, you know, typical blues brothers suit and sunglasses and just looked at him, didn't move a muscle hmm. for, you know, like a half hour while he was calling bingo numbers. And then they walked into, uh, you know, walked down a hallway, into into a doorway, walked down a hallway, and, and um, nobody seems to take notice of them at all. And he even asked people who were next to them about the, the, the men in black that he saw, and they were like, nobody was here nobody by that description he went down the hallway to try and find them and there wasn't an exit down the hallway and he they, they weren't there anymore but he was pretty sure that their presence there was a warning for him to shut up about the ufos in uh in 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 jefferson city and since he's the only one who's ever come forth saying that he saw them i'm not sure about the validity but he was pretty convinced that they were there again story material huh lots of story oh, yeah. material here <sighs> like you could expand on it. Like they actually had their own little dab balls and actually sat down and played bingo and just stared at him the whole time. Just and just stared at him the whole time. <laughs> like, <laughs> they call out a number. They just dab while they're seeing him and never take their eyes off of him. Never run at the car. Right. Well, they're dabbing. well, and the thing was, uh, whenever they, uh, you know, one of them won bingo and they yell bingo, but nobody heard me because <laughs> nobody knew they were there. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> That's I mean, the only time again, I'd they win. just take their eye. They never take their eyes off. Bingo, and then they continue yeah, to stare right. at him. <laughs> so the audience is like, he's like, we have a bingo winner, and the rest of the audience is looking at the guy like nobody said bingo, you know, <laughs> and he's convinced he's losing his mind. <sighs> Four eighty-year-old women beat yeah. the crap out of both of the men in well, black for because winning. They wouldn't be able to see them. Nobody right. knew they were there. Oh, that's right. They wouldn't yeah, be able to hear him. Yeah, nobody knew right. they were there except for the guy calling out the bingo stuff, and he knows that they're there watching him because he saw UFOs come off of the base. That's part of him losing his mind. So is he losing his mind? My God. Never, never, ever uh, underestimate the power of two eighty-year-old women playing bingo. That could be no, part of it too. Not that at could all. be the that could be the red herring in, in the story, where for whatever reason these two eighty-year-old old old women see the men in black, but they're so pissed off about losing the bingo game to them that they don't really care and recognize it as a paranormal phenomenon. They're just like, yeah, That's you it. know, if this if this becomes a best-selling novel, you guys aren't I'm getting any money that. off of I'm, it. I'm, I just want to <laughs> sign. I'm copy. good with that too. That's always a signed copy. That'll be my five minutes of fame. So Skid and Dave show up in a new dimension, and it's a 
intergalactic bingo game with Bigfoot, Chupacabra. No, no they just black, get called on to solve Black-eyed stories. kids trying to get in everybody's car to get their bingo prizes. That just like kind of get tossed into this crap and really don't want to deal yeah. with it. But they're there, so they got to take care of it. And people Eventually, people just start calling them because they know that they deal with this shit. But they really don't want to get the phone call. You know, <laughs> they're like, these aren't the people you want to save you, but the right. ones that end up doing it. They're not the paranormal her- heroes you want, but the ones you deserve, you know. You got you got Fedora man complaining that he didn't win the round robin instead of the fill the whole card. Yeah, this this is perfect. You know what? You you guys, this is the easiest book I've oh, ever written because you guys I'm have just written it for me. I love throwing <laughs> this stuff in there. But you've got all these stories that you could put these guys through right. now what what actually happens with the monsters and what's going on, what the what the main story is, but you've got the seeds for all this stuff there. You you've got the night people, you've got the Harlequins, yeah. you've got the guy that sees the UFOs coming out of the base, you know, and you know, and they, they might th- And the Harlequins run all the intergalactic bingo halls, mm. like a mafia. No. <laughs> That's the story. Yeah, I can the see aliens that. are trying to infiltrate the I can Earth. see that. And their minions are the 80-year-old well, women. That's, that's yes. just like a weird, the weirdness of the story. The women really don't have anything to do with the story. They just happen to see the stuff, and you're kind of like, so you see it. But they don't care that it's paranormal. They're just pissed off that they lost the bingo game. Like, they don't even care. Yeah. They have an army they don't of even... blue-haired 80-year-olds. You know what? They could be They could be like the old couple in, uh, in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes when the tomato yes. rolls over the kid. He got little yeah. Timmy. Yeah. yeah. They don't even like they're oblivious that this is a paranormal thing or whatever. All they care about is the fact that this is what they do on Sunday afternoons because they have nothing else to do. And these old these two guys showed up, you know, and took the and won the bingo game from them. And other than the old ladies and the guy doing the bingo, nobody else in the room sees them. And the ladies are just so pissed off. They don't care that nobody else sees them. They're just, you know, they're just angry that this happened. And their catchphrase is damn hipsters. Yep. Damn hipsters. It's itself. You know, and that, you know, that, that could be it. And like, Perfect. you've always got some little weird elements that pop up in and out of the stories like that, you know, like the weird element with the Bigfoot is the fact that he wears a top hat and coat, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he's the one calling that's, out the bingo numbers. So he needs to be that's snazzy. That's the humor yeah. to the horror part of it. Cause you said you wanted to write a horror, like a humorous horror series that these are the stories right there that are weird enough, you know? Right. Yeah. So there you go. You've got all this right now, man. You can take it. By all means, take our ideas and run with them. I'd love to see what you do with it. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Great. This is by far the most most productive uh, interview I've ever been, been a part of. <laughs> and somehow or another, you have to put us into the story in some way where we die every other book or something like that. We base us like we, we we're, we're characters that are based off of the, they're like we're the janitors at the military base that for whatever reason get turned into green goo or. We're the yeah. Rosencrantz and Gilderstern yeah. of every like, story. Our names change, but we're always the same well, characters uh, that end up getting smoked in some weird, unusual way. <laughs> right. Well, po- podcaster uh, and and news director at uh, over at Coast to Coast, Tim Banal, told me a couple of years ago he needed to be part of the uh, the Offit verse. Uh, so he was a street name in uh, in my in my uh, last book. That's great. All right. Well, I guess we're going to let you go because we've had you on here for quite some time now. And that's hard because you've got these great stories and I love talking to you. This is the part of the show that I always do for my guests where you can talk about where people can find you, what books you have out now, why they should buy them and what you have coming out in the near future. All right. Yeah. Um, for those of you just tuning in the last few seconds of the show, my name is Jason Offit. Um, yeah, you can find me at uh, uh, jasonoffit.com. 
That's two F's and two T's. Um, yeah, everything's there. All, all my all my books are there. Uh, I got a uh, a section where I, I put maybe some advice sometimes, some short stories. Um, there's there at, at points. Uh, sometimes I post interviews with authors. You know, it's just what whatever's on my mind at the time. Uh, but short stories are mine. Um, so you can get a hold of me through there. All my, my contact information's there. Um, not my favorite pizza in case you want to order me one. I should add that. But anyway, that's that's where you can, you can get a hold of me and find out more about me. My um, latest, uh, my last two books, the, the Paranormal One, Chasing American Monsters, I, I cover uh, the monsters I can find in each of the uh, 50 states, is, uh, is available there, as is uh, my latest book, which is a novel. Uh, so you had to build a time machine. It's a humor book that uh, takes you through uh, different times and dimensions trying to save the universes, plural. Ooh. What I'm working on next, I'm uh, about a quarter through with, uh, with my next novel uh, about a man who's dying and wants nothing more in life than to go back home and get, uh, get ice cream. That sounds happy, hey, feel good book of the year material. My God. Well, it's going to be depressing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. As always, thank you for coming on the show. It's always a blast talking to you. I always have a, a great riot of a time speaking with you. You're not on Facebook anymore, which is probably a good thing because Facebook has gone to a mesmia of spew. But you are on Twitter still, so people can find you out there. I, I'm on Twitter. I'm the Jason Offit. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at the same name. And... My publisher told me that I needed to have a Twitter or needed to have a Facebook presence. So I'm after a year being off Facebook, I'm I'm back on. But I only post uh, author related information. I don't troll Facebook anymore looking for information because it's a cesspool. cesspool. It really is. I got Joe's motorcade driving by every (laughs) every two, three days. We can't escape it. I'm only like 20 minutes from his house. Oh, man. All right, Jay, we're going to let you go. Thanks for coming on and talking to us, man. We appreciate it. All right. Hey, I really appreciate it, too. And, uh, man, this is, as always, fun. It's, this is just like sitting down across the you know, the kitchen table from you, just, just shooting the crap. That's how we want it. That's great. Yeah. Nice to meet you, man. Hey, good to meet you. Bully, bully, bully. Listen up, all you dapper gents and dishy danes. Wanted to take a hot second, pull up a seat next to the Victrola, and listen along with all your friends on the AlexCast. Four to five doctors agree that listening to the AlexCast will stimulate your vigor and put a little bit of pop in that collar. You know what I'm saying, gentlemen, and you might even know what I'm saying, ladies. So tune in to the AlexCast, available at all quality podcast dealerships. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, or simply go to AlexCast.com. Alex is spelled with two X's. The extra X stands for extra quality. Need to satisfy a hungry mind? Every week, your brain on facts brings you science. Why does mint feel cold? History. King Charles II of Spain was so inbred, his family didn't bother educating him. Medicine. Two doctors tested cocaine as an anesthetic by injecting it into their own spines. Music. Many hit songs and even entire albums were written for revenge. Technology. The first video game was made on an oscilloscope in 1958. Art. Restorers destroyed a Da Vinci sketch by dunking it in water and alcohol. And every other topic under the sun. Look for Your Brain on Facts on your favorite podcast app or at yourbrainonfacts.com. 
Hello everyone. Let me tell you about the Apple for the Teacher podcast. I'm Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So you're probably thinking it's about reading, writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime, where you wouldn't expect to find true crime. In schools, yes, schools. You will hear tragic stories about murder, abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, suicide, kidnap and ransom, a school camp tragedy, the list goes on. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So join me as I present the bad apples. But until then, remember to be a good apple. Only that one's on. Good God, I hope all of this stuff's recording after everything that happened. Jason Oh Moffitt, my God, I know. You messaged me and you're like, I'm not on the call anymore. And I look up and you're gone. And then you're trying to get back on the call. <laughs> and then things Dude, went was really, weird. really wonky on my end. And then you got back on the call and then you were off of the call and you were back on again. And my recording programs stopped recording, started recording again, stopped recording. So I'm scrambling behind. And I, I checked. I do have the audio files. So I'm not going to have to worry about going back okay, and recording the show. And I'm like, you need to record this on your end. And you're like, nothing's working over here. I've got explosions going off. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening with you? What's going on in I Delaware? I don't know. I do not know. But oh. everything. And then the uh, the Skype recorder completely vanished for the little down, you know, where you pin it to the start menu and pin it to the screen. It all vanished. I'm like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah, I know. And I'm like, oh, I, I, strangeness. And, and and Jason's just talking and I didn't want to interrupt him. I'm trying to add you back to the call. And then you came on the call and then Jason was gone. And I go back and find Jason and Jason's <laughs> Jason is still just talking away. He has no idea what's going on. He has no idea that the call ended. He, he has no idea of the noises and crazy stuff that's happening in the background. And I'm like, shit, I'm over here, like juggling flaming balls and, and, and you know, and, and axes and swords trying to keep everything going and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on here? Damn you, Gary. Outstanding. So anyways, it, was, <laughs> it was still a great show. Yeah, it turned out pretty well. It well, most of I, I don't think I've had a bad show with Jason yet. It's just a matter of, oh, of getting yeah. him onto a topic that he can talk about and letting him go. So I could have gone for another two hours. I had so much. Oh, yeah. Which is why you need to get him on your show and he'll come on. He'll do it. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I'm all excited. I'm yeah. like I said, I fanboyed, you know, between there's just some people that put on these paranormal pedestals. You know, you got Nick Redfern, Timothy Renner, Jason mm-hmm. Offit. So it's uh, that was cool. See, I used to be like that with him. Like when we first got him on the show, I was super stoked and he had a good time and then we had him on again. And then outside of that. I would talk to him on Facebook. We would just message each other about just about anything. Like, you know, we're both players of of role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. We're both nerds. And we would have conversations outside of the paranormal completely. So we just became friends that way. So, you know, the whole, like, way back in the day, I was super fanboy about him because he'd been on all the shows that we'd listened to. He was on Mysterious Universe. He was on Coast to Coast. He had been on Paramania. I mean, not Paramania, Paratopia. You know, I'd heard this guy for years and years. Yeah, yeah. And you know what it's like when you're getting a podcast started, you kind of like walk up to somebody, you're kind of like sheepishly like, hi, um, That's... I don't really like you to come on my podcast. <laughs> what? I, really I know, like I sound like Roger Thomas yeah. from What's Happening anytime I'm trying to ask someone to be on the show. And I'd like you to be on my show. It's small. Yeah, I got... Don't look. 
I've gotten over a because I've been around for a while doing this now. So I've got like a little bit of repertoire behind me. I'm not trying to be arrogant or conceited. And then I've got so used to doing it that when somebody says no or when somebody doesn't respond, it's like, all right, there's a million other fish in the sea. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't me, bother me. I, I tend just... to eat. I tend to be a lot more specific on who I tune in and try to get into the show. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I pride myself on finding different people or talking about different things with people. Right. So, oh, where it was with Jason, it's not the same because Jason's a friend of mine. Yeah. You know, I've, I've known Jason for a while and I mean, I've never hung out with him in person. I would like to someday, but we're, we're internet buds, you know? So the whole fanboy thing is kind of gone, but I can bug him and he'll be like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll come great. on your show because we always we always make each other laugh and have a good time. Whereas when he goes on other podcasts, he's kind of in Jason Offit, paranormal nah, author, no, blah, like, blah, blah mode. When he's here, he's just Jason. I like the you way know? you do so, it. You know, I, I feel like I learned how to do podcasting from you. You know, you want that. Like he said, aw. you know, he, he feels like he's sitting at the kitchen table over a couple of beers talking to friends. And that's that's what i want you know that's yeah that's the way i've always wanted it to be here i don't i don't like doing interviews because reviews are boring you know and it's not that's like the people that i had on the last episode that we're here talking about jesse james they've done a lot of interviews about that topic and before we started recording i'm like listen this is the way i do things all of this stuff that you've talked about some of it we have to talk about but if there's stuff that you haven't talked about yet that you want to i'm like i have no agenda here there's no cookie cutter to what I want to do. And I know that you got a lot of information. So this is your chance to put other stuff out there and be a little bit more fast and loose yeah. with stuff. I'm like, you can cuss and 100%. swear on here if you want to, you can do what you want. I'm like, my only requirement, I don't tell it to people is just, just be interesting, <laughs> have, you know, be passionate about what you talk about and have interesting things to say. It's the interviews where people don't want to talk that I'm constantly pulling and struggling to get stuff out of people that feel feel very forced that drive me nuts that it's like oh this is you know i want it to be organic and right and fun. i want it to be like going to the bar exactly you know with, with an author and, and not in a in, not in a normal structured situation i kind of want to be like yeah let's sit down and have a beer and talk about this yeah. kind of stuff you know and that's one of the reasons why a lot of the people that come on here like it here because it's very laid back and very casual and a lot of people, like, I don't like going on interviews. And I've, I've had a few people, I don't like going on interviews. I'm very nervous in interviews. I'm like, I don't give interviews. No, we right. Discussions. We have discussions. We exactly. Talk, 100%. You know, and, and I'm going to ask you about stuff that I know that you know about that I'm not going to throw a question at you that you're not familiar with. If I do, because we're not live, I'll just pause it, let you find what you need to do. And I'll go back and re-edit it. And we'll do it in such a way that it's not a big deal. And, um, you know, it works. So there's, you know, I've, I've met a lot of obscure authors that have become big people and stuff that yeah. way. So, you know, and Jason's one of those people. It's like, yeah, anytime, man. And he means it. Like, I could, I could bug him at any time for whatever reason. And, and like, it's like when we're talking about off the air. I tried to do it when he's got a book coming out, but he's like, no, I can come on anytime and yeah, he'll do great. it. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, who does I don't want to wear out that right with? I always forget the other guy's name. Well, Kutch is who he just wrote the last series of books with, Joshua Kutchin. Oh, do you know it's a couple of books? No, nah, I forget the I forget the one I have. It's in the other room. But Timothy Tom Renner is I, I like Renner a lot. Yeah. I really do. But he's gotten to a point now where the same thing with him and, and, and Cutchin, they've become so big in the field now yeah. that nailing them down to do anything is kind of hard. I think you know Cutchin kind of for like, a while was doing the uh doing almost like a little article stint on every episode for MU. Back before they just did book reviews. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? I'm sorry. I haven't listened to MU in years. 
Yeah, I, I still love those guys. They were oh, a huge, I do too. huge astronomical influence on me. And I mean, to the point where our first, I don't know, maybe 60 shows, we, we ripped them off. We ripped them off. We ripped them all off. We ripped everybody off. And I've never well, made a secret about that. That's how you do, isn't it? You yeah. Know, until you get your yeah. own format that's and style. What, and... I've had people like, all you do is rip, all you've done is rip off other people. And I'm like, yeah. And I, but I never from that. I've always said yes. And you should go listen to these shows. Like, yeah, dude. And every movie it, you've seen has been original. Cool. It's like, it's, I always tell people that podcasting is punk rock. We do what we do it because is. no radio station and no form is going to come along and pick us up and put our show out there. So we do what we do. We promote it. We produce it. We do everything we're going to do. And when you're a, poc- a, punk ro- a punk rock a punk rock band or a rock band in general, how do you become a band? You sit and play cover tunes. You you play Led Zeppelin yeah. songs or you play ACDC or you play Misfits songs or The Exploited or whatever your thing is until you learn how to play your instruments and until you learn how to be a band. So, and that's what we did with our show. I have all these ideas, but of course, COVID has farted on most of them. As it has with Like everybody. I wanted to be able to find a, like a really popular coffee house, which I live in a college town, so there's plenty and just set up there and let people come up and tell their weird experiences and Mm -hmm. be on the air and live and do that kind of thing too but again we got to wait until we're through this yeah whatever is coming yeah i've always wanted to do a live a live show in front of an audience as well and that's one of the things we're talking about drinking is like we might be able to do this when all this covid stuff clears up we might be able to do a live in front of an audience broadcast or something like that with me yeah. up until the reboot of the show, it was a more, more difficult because my co-host lived like nine hours away or whatever. Now, now how far are you from Salem? Oh God, it's, it's, it's a good day's drive. I'd love to go. I, I actually, that was the plan originally was to do a live show in Salem, find a coffee house or something we could set up at. Yeah. And I'd still like to do I got that. a place to stay. I'd still like to my do My cousin that. lives in Marblehead, which is right outside of Salem. Yep. So I, Got us a place to like hang. It's a place, a matter of finding a place that'll let us set up and do a live show right. and then be able to be big enough to, if we have people that'll come out there. Because I've got a pretty good amount of people that live in that area that would drive or come to the show yeah. with enough promotion. And I would like to like go out there and actually do a show in Salem or right around Salem in that area. I'd, I still want to. It's just a matter because with COVID, when that clears up. I know. Everything. Yeah. And then finding a place that will allow us to come out there and do it. And then we'll go out there and actually do the show in front of an audience, you know. But, you know. How far are you from uh, Lake Erie? Literally five minutes. It's it's at the it's it's like that at the end of one of the major streets that I live to. I go to Lake Erie almost weekly because I'm one of those people that's to water whenever they need to think or go. For, you know, that's, that's where I end up on my motorcycle rides usually is at some place on Lake Erie. <laughs> Now, of course, to show you how completely geographically moronic I am. So how far are you from Erie, PA? Erie, Pennsylvania? A good distance. Yeah. That's a good day's drive. Yeah. Okay. I figured that's all yes. the way on the opposite yeah. side of, from the... Like Lake Erie is gotcha. very close to me. I could be at Lake Erie. I could be at multiple places on Lake Erie that I go to. There's spots on Lake Erie that I'll go to and just chill out many times. I could be those in like 10 minutes easily mm-hmm. without a problem. So, you know. That's that. But anyways, this is going long, so yeah. um, go ahead and promote your show, talk about whatever you yes. want to talk about, then let's get the hell out of here. I have a show. <laughs> it's called Bizarro Aficionado. Uh, it's, I think I'm putting it out like once a month right now. Everything got kind of screwy, but uh, it'll get back up to a more regular pace again, but uh, check it out. It's on pretty much every format, wherever Find podcasts or Bolt and Soul. You find him. You can find it on there. That's right. And uh, 
I'm on Facebook for the uh, Bizarro Aficionado group. Jump on there if you'd like. Add something. Make my fans actually talk. Well, I hate doing that, fans. too. There are people God, that I, I hate me. seeing, like, I've got lots Ugh. of fans. I have listeners. I know, it yeah, because it jeebies. makes me feel like I'm such this rock star that I'm not at all. I have listeners, right. and I love my listeners, but I am not. I don't have fans because that makes me sound like I'm some guy that belongs up on stage, you know, or, or just this makes it, it's an artificial arrogance that I don't like having attributed to me. I'm I'm too poor yeah. to say the word fans unless I'm actually buying yeah. a fan. That's about it. But uh, yeah, check out the show. There'll be a live Halloween special coming up for the end of the month, and uh, I should do something for tomorrow. <laughs> I should do something. It's it'll be a year anniversary of starting the show. Wow. It'll be one year tomorrow. Man, I so can't I should it. put something out of some sort. I can't. Yeah, man. It just but, seems like. Well, it, it it just seems like it wasn't. Well, actually, it wasn't that long ago. But like I remember sitting yeah, up with you, being like, okay, this is how I edit. Use this program. Go here. Get this thing right here. Now go here and get this. Now do this. Okay, now go over here. Now here. Go to this website. Yeah. What did you say again? I didn't listen to any of that. Could you repeat it for? Yeah, me? I send you all these links. That's why I always do with all these people when I get a yes, podcast. And that was like, perfect. Right, open up your it instant messenger. Perfect. I'm about ready to barrage you with a bunch of stuff. It's going to be information overload. Right. But here you go. So <laughs> that was great. Anyways, all right, I'm going to let you go, Gary. Um, all right, buddy. Have a lot of fun. Thanks for being here. This is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. Gary, take it away. And this is Gaz for Bizarro Aficionado. Everyone stay safe, and uh, we'll show up in your ear again soon. Peace, folks.
Yes. You know, when you start to get older, the prostate gets a little tired. And the, actually, the fat bladder wears out. It does. Yeah. It does. I knew I was old when I'm standing in a park getting ready to go on a hike and had a 20-minute discussion with an old man about my walking stick that I had, which he kept referring to it's as a, a large cane. I'm like, it's not a cane. Yeah, it's it's, it's an extension of my penis. And now I know what's going to go with the show at the end of the music. The prostate discussion. Prostates? Prostates with Jason <laughs> Offit. <laughs> Paranormal and prostate. That's right. Yeah, well, you know, when you get when you hit fifty, prostate. you've got to have uh, you got to have your old prostate oh. examined, you know. That's right. I have a shadow prostate. <laughs> All right, what <laughs> doesn't really do. Whatever you're ready to jump in talking about the Bigfoot, because I got a big section to edit out here. <laughs> so 